I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Always. And this week is going to be I think a you mean doozy. Uh, uh. <laughs> Solely because of what producer Brian just presented to us this week. <laughs> We are continuing our series of Robert Edgar movies, and as Brian so uh, graciously demonstrated for us, we are talking about the 2019 movie, The Lighthouse. Can we have another siren again, Brian, from you, please? Uh, uh, Don't worry, I already (laughs) clipped the sound to put in. (laughs) Fantastic! (laughs) I already said... How dare you contradict me, you dog? Now look here. I ain't never intended to be no housewife nor slave in taking this job. And it ain't right. These lodges is more ramshackle than any shanty boys camp I ever seen. The Queen of England's old fancy housekeeper couldn't even done no better than what I done. Because I tell you, I scrubbed this here place twice over. And I say you did nothing of the sort. And I say you swab it again and you swab it proper like this time. And you'll be swabbing it ten times more after that. Now, something that was interesting about this when I was doing my little bit of research before watching the movie is that according to Wikipedia, the genre of this movie is debatable because it could be described as a horror film, a psychological thriller, a survival film, and a character study. So I'm sure we'll get into all things psychological especially, but we need to see... Oh, this movie is produced and directed, of course, by Robert Eggers with a, spree- with a screenplay jointly written by his brother, Max Egger, and himself. And this movie stars a one Cedric Diggory and Green Goblin. Uh, and I think that... <laughs> it absolutely did. <laughs> absolutely. Or, I mean, you know, for my purposes, because of my age, Gil from Finding Nemo and Edward Cullen, Twilight, because, yes. (laughs) Edward and Gil. There are so many good combinations. (laughs) Yes. So many great combinations. Yeah. You can do the the Batman and, uh, um, oh, what's his name in, uh, oh, damn. I just ruined this whole joke and I'm so (laughs) mad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'll get back to it. You keep going and I'll come in and pop in and I'll be like, whoa, Brian, you really came in too late with that joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're the producer, so you can edit it in perfectly. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do this again. Yeah, you're right. It could be anyone. It could be, you know, the Batman and uh, Klaus from the Life Aquatic. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've never oh, even Brian. heard of that movie. The, the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou? No. Actually, my hat that I'm wearing looks exactly <laughs> like that. Never mind. 
And you know what? I'm not even going to edit the first part out. This is, this is, I mean, think this is all fantastic. Raw footage here. Okay? This is this is raw. This is gold. Pure gold. I'm gonna I'm gonna mute myself until I'm forced to do the uh, plot summary. <laughs> fantastic. Well, it's just it's interesting because Willem Dafoe. I was looking at his IMVD just trying to see what else that I remember him from. And it's another movie that we watched on the podcast, but also definitely showing my age is Green Goblin was my first experience of Willem Dafoe in Spider-Man. And yeah, I'm just going to stick with that's who that is for me. So Willem (laughs) Dafoe and uh, Robert Pattinson are starring in this movie that we will get into all of the details. I will go ahead and say, do not be looking at us for all of the answers to your questions. I'm sure Brian has a lot because Jamie and I have questions about this movie. (laughs) But if you're looking for someone to break down what is happening in this movie, this podcast, you might not want to listen to us for that. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? We will talk about all the decisions that they were making. We will talk about human behavior and the psyche in all of this and why we think that the events unfolded as they did due to what was happening mentally between the two of them. So listen for that. Now, obviously, there's going to be heavy spoilers ahead and trigger warnings, Jamie. Can you get into that for us, please? Um, oh man, there's a lot of, uh, unsettling imagery, uh, and violence. Um, there is some animal abuse, uh, that poor seagull. Um, there are, (laughs) uh, yeah. Um, there, there's some blood and farts and poop and, Mm. uh, and violence and, uh, Death, images of death and I, I, is that I, I, think, I saw I there was a lot of things that I saw that my eyeballs saw <laughs> and I'm trying to still make sense of it all process all of the things that that is this no that's absolutely it's just a lot of imagery and things that are being thrown at you and you don't even really have a second to take in what is happening. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. one of those exactly like we talked to, or like I said, in the last Robert Egger movie, the VVH, it's a lot happening that, and nothing happening at the same time. <laughs> that never gets old. Never, ever. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so we need a, a two-minute plot summary. And I think because Brian expressed how much he has researched this movie <laughs> that he should be the one to give you a plot summary of this. Are you cool with that, Brian? Yeah, let's let's do this. Watch the plot. <laughs> Fantastical. Okay, I'll time you since I have sure. my phone next to me. Okay, Brian, you have, once I pull up things, because what is a phone... You have (laughs) two minutes to give us the plot summary of The Lighthouse and go. Sure. So two lighthouse keepers in like turn of the century New England go crazy. No. um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so around the turn of the century, New England, uh, this guy named Ephraim does like a contract job uh, and ends up being the lighthouse keeper along with Thomas, uh, Willem Dafoe. And uh, essentially, they're just going through their daily life and 
Uh, Ephraim sees that he doesn't drink. He's trying to like stay on his good path. Um, and uh, Willem Dafoe's Thomas is kind of like a slave to the light. We're not really sure what's happening there, but Thomas, uh, excuse me, but Ephraim is super, super interested in what's happening up there. Um, he feels like he's being tortured, at least mentally, um, by the Thomas character. Anyway, there's a storm. Uh, he, mm -hmm. Ephraim gets really frustrated with a seagull, an albatross, whatever it is, and kills it. And uh, then there's a huge storm that comes in and they either miss their boat because they were drunk or they um, or the One boat minute. never came. Uh, anyway, from there on out, they kind of lose all sense of time. We learn that Ephraim's name is actually Tom. And on his last lumber job, he actually killed a man um, or at least let a man get killed. And that's the guilt that he has. Um, and they just keep going and spiraling down. They lose sense of time. They, they don't know right and wrong. They're just like very confused. They're seeing things. Long story short, Ephraim ends up killing Thomas um, to get to see what's in the light. Um, he sees us in the light. He falls down the stairs, and the last shot is kind of seagulls picking at his uh, – while he's still alive, picking at his body, um, the lighthouse. Fantastic. That's the plot. Yes, with 22 minutes – or sorry, 22 seconds to spare. I could talk about it for another half hour. That's fine. <laughs> Fantastic. So let's get into it, starting off with our segment, Likes and Gripes. And now our Likes and Gripes. Now for this, I would just love for you to, for wow, I can't speak. I would love for you guys to give me your relationship with this movie. Have you seen it before? And give me your Likes and Gripes about it. Jamie, we'll start with you. So I had never seen this movie before. This was the first time that I had ever seen it. And um, I like had heard that it was wild and that is what I expected. And my expectations were met. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I still don't know if I liked this movie. Um, and again, that's just me. You could, everyone can disagree with me. That's okay. Um, but yeah, I'm still trying to make sense of it. Maybe in watching it, I was like, maybe I, and maybe highbrow horror is just not for me. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, maybe I'm just like a dummy who just wants to see like slashings. I don't know, but there was just, it, it was, Again, subtitles is is everything, and that's the way I live my life. And yes. like that was really helpful um, because like just the language is like really hard to understand what they're trying to say. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I'm still I, I still don't entirely know what I just yesterday watched, <laughs> and um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think that. Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe are both excellent actors. Yeah. Um, so that is something that I liked. Um, the mermaid was super cool. Uh, you know, mermaids are great. Um, great people, you know, good people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> great mer people. Yes. Um, but yeah, that might be, <laughs> that might be all that I have to give for, for likes. I, and not that I have like any gripes with it. I just like, didn't totally get it. And again, yeah. maybe that's my like pre coffee brain post stream brain that watched this. That was like, I don't know if I can internalize everything that's going on here. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and I said that also with the witch that like, 
the first time I tried to watch it, like I got to the part where you see the witch and I like literally turned it off. Cause I was like, I don't know if I'm in the right headspace to like take yeah. on whatever is about to happen to me. So I feel like this for me, I would benefit from like a second watch to, to see what I missed the first time around and, and hopefully gain a deeper understanding of it. Yeah, Jamie, I agree with you. I don't know how I feel about highbrow horror. I absolutely, I mean, you are not dumb and wanting to just see people get slashed because that <laughs> is the essence of horror. And I think that that is, if that appeals to you, it appeals to you. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't mean anything one way or the other. I also want to agree with you about the time that I watched it as well. I had a long day yesterday. I watched it last night. I started it at 1130. And oh, of wow. course, yeah, taking notes, you know, you stop and you pause and you do things and um, it can make it hard to get a sense of what's happening. Mostly because, you know, for this podcast, we have our podcast or for me, at least I have my podcast brain on. So I'm always trying to interpret things, try to think of, you know, things that would be great discussions uh, for us here and having it be that late at night and also trying to like stop and start it. I think that kind of affected how I viewed it as a whole, but I would just like to go through my quick little bullet points that I had of likes and gripes and thoughts that I had while watching this movie. So you can get a sense of how I kind of felt or how I was processing this as I watched it, as it took me two hours and 15 minutes to watch an hour and 40 minute <laughs> movie. So the soundtrack is absolutely fantastic. When it comes in, it gives you all of the, the spooky vibes. I love the camera shots. I love uh, that it's in black and white. And I love that it's in a narrow frame because it really just gives you kind of a sense of that claustrophobic nature because everything seems just so kind of squished together and the foghorn reminded me of the purge so thank you brian for that because that also makes me feel spooky on the inside and it just sets you up for great spooky things the like you mentioned jamie the killing bird scene was very intense but very well filmed uh, i definitely wrote au couture of horror films because that's what it feels like <laughs> Brian, you would appreciate this, but I was thinking about the Meisner exercise of repeating things back and forth when they were repeating things. Yes, 100%. Back and forth together. Uh, I said that this feels like an Edgar Allan Poe story was filmed, but then in reading the wiki right before we started recording this, apparently the idea was developed from an unfinished Edgar Allan Poe story called The Lighthouse. Uh, it's not the exact same story, but that's where the idea came from to do this movie, which I did not know. What is real and what is not? Because, oh my gosh, is this just basically like a, a love story about married couples in their first year? Because, wow, all of this fighting <laughs> and sexual tension is intense. Okay? Uh, and these are two beautiful men. Um, I would love, and Brian, this will be something that maybe you can talk about. I would love to know if this whole movie is a metaphor for anything. Because it feels like it could be interpreted in a myriad of ways. And my last thought was, oh, my God, how did he get outside? And why is he naked? Well, he's a seagull now. That's my likes and gripes. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, please enlighten us. Oh, also, this is my first time watching this movie as well, if you sure. not gather that. <laughs> um, this is my first time watching this movie. I tr all, I, all I knew is that it, these two were in it. It took place in a lighthouse and they go mad. Like, that's all I knew about it. 
Um, I 50% like this movie because I think this movie needs two watches to fully comprehend what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I So I'm like halfway there. Um, parts of this were slow and boring. I think because the first time you're watching it for me, I was just like picking up what was happening. Plot points, emotional beats, arcs, and it's really tough. <clears throat> the second time through, kind of reading about it and kind of knowing what I know now, I think I would enjoy it a lot more. Um, Mm. I thought that it was beautifully shot. I love that it felt like a 1930s or 1940s movie, like all those special effects, whether or not they were done on a computer felt like they were practical. Um, Mm. And I really loved that. All those close up shots of their faces of the boats hull going through the water at the beginning. Um, The lighthouse, very claustrophobic, like you said, Nikisha. I loved all of that aspect of it. Um, You know, I, I really dug a lot of that. Um, I definitely was confused. I love a, a, um, I love a, uh, an unreliable narrator, obviously. I love the gaslighting aspect of this because I was really thinking like, okay, is Robert Pattinson the crazy one or is um, Willem Dafoe the crazy one? This is what I, this is after reading stuff and whatnot. This is what I think. This is what I think. It's a, it's definitely, it's been said by Robert Eggers that this is a metaphor for, um, Proteus and Prometheus. Um, I did hear that. Okay. Prometheus yeah. is the Robert Pattinson character where he basically steals fire and gives it to uh, – gives hope and fire to humans and mm-hmm. Zeus punishes him by tying him to a rock and having an eagle basically eat his innards out. Um, so that's yeah. that side of it. The other side of it is Proteus. Proteus is kind of like a soothsayer, um, kind of like a prophet. Um, he is – underneath poseidon and he kind of like has all of this knowledge i think he turns into a serpent um and so like he's the one kind of holding all of this knowledge so that that's the that's the symbolism there the second piece of this is that i 100 percent believe that they are the same person that they are two mm. th- they're it's revealed halfway through that his name is thomas and i think that the willem defoe character is just an older version of the um younger thomas character and we're just in a place where they're kind of symbolic or whatever you want to call it they're interacting with each other the older one is a bit more knowledge trying to set the younger one straight the younger one has all this guilt from the person that he killed but he still has those murderous tendencies because he killed the other lighthouse attendant with the one eye and if you see at the end the robert pattinson character has one eye out of his uh face um, so I think it's the same person at different times in their life that happen to be interacting at the same time, um, because you see him not drinking to drinking and then, you know, the Willem Dafoe character drinking. Um, I, that's what I essentially think that, it, you know, he finally accepts himself as like Thomas and then he just like stays at the lighthouse forever being Thomas, whether it's a ghost of what he could be in the future, um, or the past and, and. And so he's basically replaced with himself. And maybe this is a loop. Maybe he, maybe each time one of them kills the other one. I don't know. There's mm. something there that I would like to watch it I again. I did think about that, the loop aspect of it, of now, I mean, before we see the seagull picking at his intestines yeah. at the end, that Robert Pattinson would be the one that would take over, get a new person and the cycle will just kind of continue because that's what it was. Robert Pattinson would be the keeper of the light yeah. and, you know, things would just kind of 
continue from there. But I did hear, uh, you know, I love my watch mojo. <laughs> sure. We need to get them to sponsor us because I watch their videos all the time. So that was <laughs> the first or the only video because it was two in the morning and I was like, I have to go to sleep. But I have to get at least one video of someone saying what they think this is because mm-hmm. what? And I watched a watch mojo uh, episode of it and it, it said that exact same thing about um the Prometheus and all of the Greek mythology aspect sure. of it. Um, and then on top of all of that, it's it's also about sexuality and toxic, toxic masculinity. Mm. They work in a lighthouse. Like they're always jerking off. Like they're, they're, there's a lot of sexual tension between the two of them that ends up turning into a fight. They, they work in a phallic building that is, and like, that is not mm. put past. I think I even read that like in the script, it says like the lighthouse looks like a penis or something like that. Um, like, okay. like that is absolutely part of this and, uh, and, and ties in with kind of um, their relationship, their relationship to themselves. Um, what they, you know, the mermaid aspect of things, you know, the, the, the gills kind of looking like a vagina on the uh, on the, on the mermaid. mermaid. So that's mm-hmm. a whole other element that like sexuality, toxic masculinity, the you know proving yourself, power obviously, um, the power oh, yeah. dynamic between the two. Um, and then you know you ask yourself like who was telling the truth at the end? I think they both thought that they were telling the truth. I don't know what the mm-hmm. like was it a couple of weeks later? Was it a day or two later? Like I don't know. Um, but that's kind of what I'm. I'm sticking with there. So for the all those reasons, I'm I would I'm not going to do it immediately, but I I am looking forward to watching this again to see knowing all of these themes and things. Also, um, if you don't know, there's a there's an epic poem called "The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner," um, which tells the story of these people at sea, um, and one of them shoots and kills an albatross, and then all the bad luck that happens to them. Um, you know, seagulls, albatrosses um, are good luck, but if you kill them, it's bad luck. Um, mm. So that also like that was kind of like setting everything off towards the end. Um, mm. um, so I am I am definitely interested in watching this again knowing all the things that I know. But at this point, I cannot say that I liked it. I cannot say that I disliked it. I'm still in the process of watching it, if that makes sense. And I yeah. think that the the uh, the witch solidified my love for his movies on second viewings. Um, so mm. I look forward to watching this one to see um, if things click a little bit more or if you're watching it like – the second time you watch a movie with a twist, it's a very different experience. Knowing what his intention was behind some of these characters, I'm very much looking forward to seeing if it enhances the movies or if it, it doesn't enhance it enough to get me to like a 90%. It may only get me to a 60 or 70%, but I won't know until I watch it again. Yeah. No, that's all a, a great analysis of it. And it is interesting that these movies are something that you – and maybe that's the point of it, things that he wants you to watch it multiple times to get kind of the different interpretations of it. What I will say about this movie and Robert Eggers movies in general, I mean, I'm not a super devout fan of his, but it also doesn't feel like he's trying to do something. He's just doing something and presenting it. And it, it really isn't like he's, he's, 
going to the extreme to try to make something so out of the box, which I appreciate because everything, even though we don't understand it, or at least for me, it still feels grounded in something that's real, especially the acting and how he directs it. And even watching this movie, even me thinking, I don't know what's going on. I still couldn't stop watching because of how great the cinematography was. And that kind of kept me invested. So yeah, I just want to say that it, it's, He's. It's not that I don't like him and what he's doing uh, per se, because I think that he has a niche and it's wonderful and he's good at it. It's just a matter of if it's somebody's taste or not. Sure. But you know, there are some movies where people are trying to do something or be something, and it's like, no, this is not. It's a little over the top. It doesn't feel over the top. It just feels like this is what his category is. Sure. Know? Did did ever like I feel like this movie built a lot and then like kind of like stopped and then like built again and then kind of stopped and each time it built I thought it was the end of the movie like I thought it was building towards mm. something and then like mm-hmm. it kind of didn't and then it would build again and I thought that was the end of the movie and then like it wasn't did anyone else get that feeling from this at all like in, I did. In this, obviously I'm talking about the second half of the movie. Well, there was a moment earlier on, of course, I knew the movie wasn't ending, but it just kind of felt like it was coming to an end. I guess I'm just saying I felt that once. Sure. For sure mm-hmm. That, I don't know. What about you, Jamie? Um, not, I don't feel like I felt it multiple times. Yeah. Um, maybe like one time and then it kept going and I was just mm-hmm. like, all right, we're still in it for the ride, baby. <laughs> also, I also want to bring mm-hmm. up something important that I love lighthouses. Um, <laughs> lighthouses Amazing. are always the first thing I star on the map when we're like in a uh, sea town that I want to go see. Um, <laughs> Jamie and I love to take pictures in front of lighthouses. It's actually, oh, nice. we have some beautiful ones on our home that Jamie took. My, my screen is the three of us, me, Jamie, and uh, our dog Ted standing in front of a lighthouse Aww. in North Carolina. I love lighthouses. And, um, and so I was excited to see this movie just for the lighthouses. Or the lighthouse. Um, I, I don't. <laughs> I just. I just lighthouse. think that adds a little more context to my love of lighthouses. I don't <laughs> think it helps this conversation at all. And maybe. Um, so you're saying that not only are you going to have a parlor for your parlor talk with mm-hmm. Brian, you're going to have a lighthouse in the back of your house. Yeah, I think possibly. Possibly. Okay. I don't know if we need a lighthouse, but I do want some sort of uh, like maybe Siren. like a. <laughs> Uh, yeah, siren. A foghorn? So a foghorn. Known, yeah. A foghorn. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. definitely need a foghorn. Um, <laughs> You're uh, but yeah, I definitely want something nautical in my home, I think. Um, mm, maybe, maybe I would even settle for like a tiki bar that I do up. Like, I guess that's yes. lighthouse adjacent because it's, you know, I, I maybe it's not. I just imagine. It's I just sea themed. Sea themed, seaside themed. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, that's mm-hmm. been my, uh, that's been my nautical nonsense uh, corner. In my oh, <laughs> absolutely. You can leave. <laughs> you can get out. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, foghorn out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Brian has left the chat just in time for us to get to our next segment. Mm, Brains. (laughs) Fantastic. So this movie deals with a lot of mental issues and things that we want to kind of dive into. I would love to get you guys' opinions about certain human behavior things. I also want to just 
on here apologize to Jamie because I always feel like she I I see her as the catch-all for psychology. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want people out there to realize that I understand Jamie has a specific thing that she studies and she's wonderful in getting information about things that I ask her outside of what she specifically studies. But I always just feel bad for that. <laughs> Having said that, I'm going to ask you 80 million questions. That's fair. As long as you know going into it that I have negative 80 million answers. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, in watching the movie, some of the things that you do gather from it is kind of a, a sense of monotony, doing the same thing over and over again. And even though they're only technically supposed to be there for four weeks, it seems like them just doing the same old things is contributing to them going a little insane cuckoo caca in their minds. And so (laughs) I want to ask you, and Brian, you can also weigh in on this of what your opinion is, but stability and structure. Okay. There are people who need stability and structure for them to kind of stay out of trouble or to keep them focused. But then you get to monotony and it seems like if you're doing the same things over and over again, that can kind of lead you into having like an idle mind and, you know, the, uh, I'm going to call them old Thomas and young Thomas. Old Thomas makes the comment of villains, um, boredom causes villains, you know, in a sense, paraphrasing. So my question is, do you, what do you think are the effects of monotony on the psyche? Can it be harmful? And what is that in relation to stability? Do you think those are synonymous or not? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And I think like, I know I've said a lot that I think sometimes it depends on context. Like I think for some people, there's so much comfort in habits and structure and feeling like they thrive because they know what to expect. And, and like, that is, that is like what helps them Mm -hmm. function and operate. Um, I think for other people that, I don't think it's necessarily that like the structure is, is causing harm, but rather like when things are just the same all of the time, how Mm. does that then potentially lead to boredom and where might boredom then lead to other things, um, that might be, you know, not so great. And so it's like, how do you, how do you like kind of keep your, your mind active in a way where it's like, even if there is stability in your life, like how do you kind of like stay excited and like, Mm -hmm. you know, have, have things outside of like monotony or like something becoming kind of tedious? How do you like still find that, that passion? Um, and and like, that's where I feel like context is important because like, obviously, you know, everybody's passion is, is different. Yeah. Um, that was the best that I could come up with. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's, that's great. Do you think, so I guess in a sense, monotony in general, it's, you said it's context. So it's not that it can be, it's not that monotony begets, you know, something harmful 
it just depends on the context or do you feel that's not the case? I feel like structure and stability, I feel like stability doesn't equate to like causing harm, but like, Mm -hmm. is there a threshold at which something feels like it's becoming monotonous or tedious? And like, how do you then incorporate other things, variety into your life in a way that like Mm. serves you? Yeah. And I just want to piggyback on that because even if you, even when you discussed that and stability and finding just something outside of it that can make it new or fresh for you, even though it's the same thing, it kind of goes back to uh, acting and doing the same show for a long amount of time. The only thing Mm -hmm. that really kind of changes though is the audience. And that's kind of the variable that causes you to have a different reaction because the audience reacts in different parts of the show. It's not the same every time. It's similar, but it's not exactly the same. And then you also have, you know, when different people are on for different characters and that kind of changes things up for you. But it is a thing of thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And you kind of are a muscle memory aspect of it to where you you get outside of it. But it is trying to find the, the new things that you can bring into it, even though the base is the same, mm-hmm. so that you're not just going through the motions, I guess. And with, and with this movie, it's not necessarily like they were doing the exact same thing every day, but it's, you know, living in a time where all you had was them <laughs> living together with their farts and poops and peas <laughs> in the same spot where they so sleep, many which farts. is... So many, so many farts, and we'll get into how we would have dealt with those situations in a little bit. But the next thing that I wanted Uh-oh, to that makes me nervous, <laughs> right, <laughs> Brian? I'm going to ask you about your farts. I need you to be ready and prepared. Thank I, you. as Jamie can attest, I am always ready to talk <laughs> about my bowel movements and farts. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> fantastic! We're going to put that on a hold, pin that for later. Uh, <laughs> So my next question is, so we have the phrase, you know, curiosity killed the cat, right? And with this movie, Robert Pattinson is so curious about this light because that's what he actually wanted to do in the first place. He came into this job saying, hey, it says in the manual, we both have to look after this. But then old Thomas, Willem Dafoe says, no, the light is mine. She's mine. And do you believe that humans, or is is there a study that says humans are born with curiosity? And to that same question, can a lot of curiosity be detrimental or harmful to a person? Um, I love all these questions. They're, uh, my brain is hurting trying to think <laughs> of really good answers. Um, I mean, I think that like curiosity is like this desire to like learn and like enhance our understanding of things and, Mm -hmm. and like, what is the spectrum that that exists on? Um, I do think that like, uh, humans like to have answers and, and like that they're, you know, is there some kind of like biological element of like wanting to know more and, and, gain deeper understandings of things. And so, um, you know, is this like on the like on the negative end of the spectrum of like 
why do you need to know this so badly? And like, right. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing then knowing it like leads to your demise. Um, so I think it, I think it depends on, you know, are they, I mean, within the context of this, it's like, mm-hmm. it, and how much is like actually going on in reality, which again, like, I don't totally know, but right. like, <laughs> yeah. you know, is, is this information being like safeguarded for a reason? Is there like an explanation for it? Mm-hmm. Is, is it being protected? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it being like self, is there like something selfish behind, um, like Willem Dafoe's, uh, keeping it to himself as opposed to sharing it. Um, and so like that, that level of curiosity of like, what's he hiding? Like, why does he get to have it all? Mm -hmm. Why isn't he sharing it? Like, why can't I have any? Um, and this this also kind of relates to that exclusivity conversation we had during the Mm. VVH. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) VVH. Yeah, and and actually that ties into another question for the for the both of you because we kind of have this innate nature to want things that we can't have or mm-hmm. go after things that people say no, you shouldn't go after. So like if someone said don't look to your right for 30 minutes, like that's going to take everything within me to just not do as Jamie is actually doing it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we're talking about Greek myths, I would look behind me if I was Orpheus immediately. And uh, okay. like you do it all the time. I you do. do it all the time when you're walking. Cause somehow I always end up behind you and you always look back and you're like, do you think I'm not here? Do you think I'm just going to walk away? I don't know. The Orpheus story had a very large impact on me when I was a young kid. So now really? I, 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 I'm just like, I, I thought it was going to be a happy story. Then it wasn't. I'm just like, well, you shouldn't look back. Follow the right. rules. Maybe that's why I love rules because I don't want to lose mm. Jamie to the Hades. Oh, well, that's also a thing. It's also a biblical story too of Lot uh, leaving his home. Sure. And he was him and his wife, they were not supposed to look back, but then his wife looks back and she turns into a pillar of salt. And Lot has to, you know, he can't look back. He can't pull a Jamie and say, oh my gosh, I got to help. Nope. He had to keep going. (laughs) But yeah. And and I guess, Brian, you just answered how you feel about it, but it is just interesting that we, as, as humans, the minute that someone says, don't do something, our curiosity kind of pops in and we're like, Okay, but then why? And you ask even more questions. And it also Sure, but also ahead. like if someone's like don't swim in this water, there are sharks. I wouldn't be like, "You know what I'm going to do?" I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, "Thank you for that's giving me context. Though. I'd like to keep my limbs, yes. please." Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that's what Jamie said all along. It's context because if someone told you if you looked back that you were going to turn to a pillar of salt, then you wouldn't do it. But if someone just said, "Don't look back," You're gonna be like, well, what's what am I? I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna look, you know. Oh, mm-hmm. Nikisha, don't. Oh God, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so we find out in this movie, and this is my next question, going away from curiosity. We find out that Ephraim is Thomas. Thomas is Ephraim, you know, and he's running away from his past because he killed someone. And he's living with this kind of guilt in the process. And one of the kind of side note questions we don't have to answer now, uh, why young William went mad. I was thinking to myself, was it because of that little siren doll that he found? Was that 
magic in a sense that kind of led him to go crazy? Or was it because he was already harboring so much guilt from his past and you know you're always looking over your shoulder and making sure nobody trails you and what's happening and maybe that's kind of what led him to going mad or whatever happened to him? But my question is, how can non-process guilt affect you moving forward in life? Like, have you experienced at all or witnessed someone where guilt was a hindrance from them being able to actually continue on in life and, you know, progress and move forward? Yeah. I, when I think about guilt a lot, I think about like what purpose it serves and like Mm -hmm. that the hope is that guilt helps us learn from our mistakes and like take action to do better next time, Mm -hmm. which like also in this case, I don't think is, is what happens. Right. Um, and I think people also talk about like, you know, what does it mean to like process guilt? And I think that for some people, there's this piece of like, I need to relieve myself of this guilt that I'm carrying and like share the the wrongdoings that I've done. Mm. But also that can cause a lot of harm on like whoever they're revealing this information to. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like the unintended or intended consequences of that. Yeah. Um and and so like I have a lot of thoughts about it. Like on in some spaces, like is that then selfish of the person to like share this information just because like they want to absolve themselves of the guilt that they're yeah, carrying? Absolutely. But like should actually be continuing to to carry the weight of that because of like the 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 thing that they did. Um, but in other circumstances, like where people have like have actively you know, made those steps to no longer do the the mistake that they have made, um, but still find themselves holding it. Those are the circumstances where I'm like, well, why, like, why do you feel the need to continue to punish yourself for something Mm. that like you're actively already trying to correct and change? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, humans over the course of time and history, like humans are prone to making mistakes and, and errors. And like, are you the first, like, an exercise in Mm self-compassion. Are you the first person who's ever made this particular mistake in Mm -hmm. the history of history? Yeah. The answer is probably not. Um, Therefore, like, you know, why do you feel the need to hold and carry this guilt and, and not forgive yourself for something that like, you're not the first person who's done this. Right. Like what, what is it about you that like, doesn't allow you to relieve yourself of this guilt? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, I don't see that really applying for, <laughs> for this, for this situation, <laughs> yeah. um, uh-huh. especially because, like, that rage still seems, like, just barely under the surface and comes out often. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And so, like, I I don't even know if I feel like he's, you know, made changes. I mean, I think he's trying to, like, stay under the radar, but, like, I don't think he's, like, really doing things to try to, like, undo the the bad choices that he's made in the past. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. And also thank you for that uh side note therapy session about guilt. <laughs> Wonderful. We love to we love to hear it. We love to help ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So with that, 
processing and and guilt and everything, we get to old Thomas versus young Thomas, which Brian says is the same person, which that could be a really interesting take, rewatching it and thinking of it in that sense. But I want to talk about kind of gaslighting because it seems as though old Thomas is gaslighting young Thomas, especially about when they're talking about how long they've been at the house or telling him, oh, yes, I'm going to write great things about you to the higher ups to make sure you can continue on, you know, working and all this stuff like that. So do you feel like in this movie, old Thomas was gaslighting young Thomas? Or do you think that old Thomas, his alcoholism, which seems very prevalent, is just that's what's kind of leading him down his weird behavior and how he interacts with young Thomas? I'm going to be real. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> because like, it's just so intentionally confusing that like, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Especially because, with like, what's real and what's not. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Like the things that I always found the most interesting, like the things I think are most interesting in this movie are the conversations that they're having where mm-hmm. it's like, wait, like what just happened? Like the part where Robert Pattinson's like trying to take the the boat out yeah. and then Willem Dafoe comes and like chops it up with the ax yeah. and then like they go inside and Willem Dafoe says like, I was trying to stop you from chopping up the boat. And you're just like, wait, what? Right. And, and like, it's, it's, it makes my head hurt. And, <laughs> and so I'm like, I don't, I don't know what is reality at this point. Like I have yeah. no idea. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know if, if, you know, if that's, I don't know what's real. I don't know if it's like because of mental health concerns. I don't know if it's because they're like drinking so heavily, but I don't know mm-hmm. whose reality is what. Um, yeah, or if you take like fair. Brian's um, theory that like it's all just one person, like, yeah, then then it also makes sense because it's like, yeah, you did do it because like there's only they're the you. same person and they're also, just having kind of like a fight in their mind. Yeah. Uh-huh. Also, so two things. I don't know if it's only one person there. I think there are two people there. They're just the same person at different points in their life and they're interacting. Mm. One. Okay. Two, they also start to drink kerosene halfway through this movie. So yeah. like who knows how that's affecting their brains and like what they're seeing and whatnot. Like just to get that's that kind of high. Like also symbolic of the fact that they're both like powder kegs. Like they both literally are like flammable at any minute is like. Which is insane. Yeah, especially when Willem was trying to find a light and it wasn't happening and Robert Pattinson comes in with the light. I just thought that everybody was just going to explode at that (laughs) particular moment in time. (laughs) The whole house exploded. Everybody's dead. Okay, movie over. You know, just crazy things. Mm -hmm. Here is a random side note question, but do you, have you read at all or know if humans are born with a survival skill or instinct or is that a learned behavior? Um, I think it's both. Okay. Um, I think that like we've talked a lot about fight fight and flight mm-hmm. um, and freeze and fawn and all those things. But like yeah. at least like fight and flight, flight, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. fight or flight is like our, our body's like biological response to like a fear stimuli. And so like there are things that are happening in our body um, based on like 
a, a perceived fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that, I think, you know, we're born with that. And then other, uh, like we learn over time and like get more abstract thinking and like can, can think differently about like, okay, what else do I need to do to protect myself? Or like, do I need to plot or like things like that to, to, um, you know, be safe or get the jump on someone else. But, um, I do think that there's like the elements that we're just like, they're biologically imprinted on us. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. It always goes to kind of, you know, a, a toddler, figuring out an oven or a stovetop is hot, you know, the curiosity sets in, but then when they realize that it's something that harms their body, it's now something that you retreat from. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't know why that's always the example. Every time I heard anything about a learned behavior, it's always been that extreme of a toddler putting their hand on a burner and that's how they figure it out. It's like, that's a really extreme case for this. I don't but, think I okay. ever touched a stove to know Same. that it was hot. Like I, I don't have a memory of that. And maybe I did. And like, you know, it's just like so deep into my skull. But like I, yeah. I do not recall ever trying to do that. I right. think a better example is like the car is too hot. Like because it was sitting in the sun or like the seats in the car were too hot. Like, I feel mm. like that's a better example than, like, don't touch this burner. Right. But it's also context. Like you said, Brian, if someone said, don't get in this water because there are sharks, if my mom said, don't touch the stove because you'll get burned, then, yes, I'm not going to be curious about it and try to find that out for myself. Sure. Mm. I, but I get the idea that, like, you also need that, like, pain memory mm. at the same time to, like, know what being burned is like because the curiosity is, like, I wonder what that pain feels like. Whereas like That's an interesting day. You know, because like also like if someone's like, don't get in the shark, don't get in the water, there are sharks. Like I know that that's not a reversible thing, if that makes sense. Whereas mm-hmm. the burn, like it could be unreversible. I'm not saying that it's not. And like some burns are obviously way worse than others, but like, like there's also that pain memory where if I don't know what that feeling is like, there is also a curiosity there. That's why people eat Tide Pods. That's why, you know what I mean? Like, there's a curiosity behind That's so it. That's why people, like, they, there's a lot of darker things that I can talk about. But, like, yeah. <laughs> that's why, you know, that, I feel like that's why a lot of these, like, wild trends were like, why would you put alcohol in your butt? Like, you know what I mean? Like, That's not where thing. I thought this conversation was going to go. Absolutely. But please tell me that's not an actual thing. Yeah, of course Wait, it is. Wait, no. Nikisha, you haven't heard about this? No. Oh, my God. I used to hear about this when I was in college. And they would say, like, oh, I don't know how. how okay. This, <laughs> this is how rumors start. But I used to hear about this in college all the time. And they'd be like, yeah, like, you know, the bros are trying to get drunk faster. And so they would what? do, like, they would put enemas of like alcohol in your butt because it's like bypassing all of the, like the way that your body is like naturally processing the alcohol. (laughs) So you get drunk so much faster, but it also evolved to like soaking tampons with alcohol and putting them up your butt. Like I heard about that too. Um, Again, these are not things that I have done. These are things that like were rumors in my college that that people were doing. It was always frat bros, um, which I think is really funny. That, my world has changed. (laughs) Also, wait, okay, so here's another thing. This is highly unsafe and nobody should do it. Yeah, we are not Um, recommending this. 
No, but like another reason why, so like then I, it, it became another thing in my lifetime because like people who like struggle with alcoholism, like Mm -hmm. also sometimes do this, but like, again, like you can die. It's really bad. This is why we drink alcohol like through our mouths because our body needs to like process it. If you don't allow for that, for that to happen and you take it in your butt, it it's, you're not allowing for like the natural body. You're not allowing for your body to like naturally process alcohol the way it's supposed to be. And Uh, you can die. Um, so like, it's very, it's like very high risk, but like, yeah, like people who struggle with like alcoholism, like absolutely like this is something that people do. Um, but yeah, it always started as a rumor from college. So wow. please don't do this. You will die. It's not safe. Right. Also do don't not... eat Tide Pods. Like don't yes. like take horse tranquilizer. <laughs> don't put your hand on a burner. Yeah. Like, like just like avoid these things. But I do think. When the... you say horse tranquilizer, do you mean like ketamine? Uh, I don't know. I just said horse tranquilizer. <laughs> <laughs> because they they are there are studies now of using ketamine for like very severe depression. Oh, interesting. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of uh like substances where uh there or like microdosing shrooms and and yeah. all kinds of things that like are now being studied for um for like possible uh, ways to manage mental illness. So yes, I find I, that very interesting. Okay, yeah, then maybe, so maybe use the horse tranquilizer in a safe and, and well supported. As Jamie has said, context. It's always <laughs> context. Also to your point about shrooms, watch the Netflix documentary, fantastic fungi. And it mm. goes into a deep dive about shrooms and how it can conquer a lot of mental illnesses. Hmm. Wow, Jamie and Brian, you just blew your mind, blew, blew your butt, <laughs> blew my butt. <laughs> I mean, should we talk about butt. farts now? Oh yeah, Brian, the, go. the only time a segue. <laughs> I thought that was the most realistic part of the movie that they were just like <laughs> mm, they were farting. farting. Like that's like one. I think it just shows that like older Thomas like just doesn't care. Like, he's like, this is my home. I'm going to fart. Like, this is just, like, who I am. I'm a gassy gentleman. And then – but younger Thomas has – needs to unravel a little bit. Like, the drinking, the, like, you know, you know, um, that's the only one I'm thinking of right now. But, like, Mm -hmm. and just getting more comfortable with him and being able to talk back to him. Obviously, some of the alcohol was involved in that. But, um, yeah, he was just farting. And then we saw those poop buckets up there just, like, popping his squat. He he just, like, doesn't care. And, and, um, yeah, the the just, like – Farting whatever totally makes sense to me. And yes. also it relates back to their food conversation as well, which I thought was interesting. Just like what they're putting into their bodies on this island is like important because they Absolutely. talk about the steak. They talk about do not like my cooking. He farts a lot. We see the poops. But on top of that, like they're putting kerosene into their bodies. Like mm. like I thought that was, you know, they're, you know, are, are they turning into the lighthouse? Are they the lighthouses? You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Oh. So. Um, you know, with their, with their erect penises and the kerosene, they're just lighthouses. Um, everyone has a lighthouse inside of themselves. Yes. Uh, of course. 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 So yeah, I I enjoy (laughs) farting as well. Um, uh, I think it's really, here's the question. Yeah. Are they silent and deadly or are they loud and proud? As Jamie has said, it's all context. It depends what I ate that day. It depends who I'm around. It depends which way I'm like tilting. It's all context. Oh my gosh. Well, man, speaking of something that's 
make up your own context. This is a question for the both of you guys. Do you, so the general question is, do you believe that survival kind of overturns a love for other human beings or a love for mankind? And I ask that because if you were in this situation and it was you versus this other person, do you think that your survival skills will kick in and you will choose yourself? Or with would you have kind of that sense of empathy and, oh, this is a human being as well. We should try to kind of work this out together. What do you think would be kind of where you would land in that aspect? Um, <clears throat> I think it depends. I mean, I know we're saying like context yeah. over and over again, mm-hmm. but because I think about VVH and like the scene where her mom is like trying to kill her. Right. And, yeah. and it's like a similar thing of just – you know, that moment of like, I'm trying to do whatever I can to like stop this from happening and, Mm -hmm. and not, you know, like cause harm, but protect myself. But then there's that moment of like, oh no, like she's trying to follow through on this. Like, I think she wants me dead and then saving herself and, and killing her mother. And, you know, I think that, I think that there are situations that it's like, again, by their flight, like you, you do what you need to do to save your life. And yeah. And yeah. So I think that you try to exhaust all options as are available to you, Mm -hmm. but ultimately it, it falls down to like, I, I don't want to (laughs) die. Right. Now here's the thing. Do you, either of you, do you, or do you think you would fare better if you were by yourself in this lighthouse situation or would you want someone with you? Do you think that would help you kind of uh, survive better. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to take the easy answer on this one. It totally depends who the person is. Like it just totally depends. If you could pick who the person was. Oh, if I could pick who the person was, I think I would be fine. I think that I would, I would have an idea of like who that person was, how they Mm -hmm. handle intense situations. Will I have the ability to talk with that person? Will I have, you know, kind of like you said, like the pro if I'm taking the, if I'm Robert Pat, let's, let's assume that Robert Pattinson is kind of the more level headed person in this movie, just for this conversation. I'm just, Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Um, if, if, um, uh, uh, sorry, I got distracted. Um, <laughs> if you got, hold on, let me let me take a step back. I'm gonna <laughs> okay. So I'm I'm Robert Pattinson, and I'm level headed. Okay, I if I'm being attacked by the Willem Dafoe character, mm-hmm. I am going to uh, fight back because there because there's ha- there was like a little bit of conversation, but then it escalated. And I also helped to escalate it, obviously, with my drinking. But like, yeah. if I'm in a realistic situation where like maybe there's a way we can talk through things, or I'll obviously try and do that first. But like, what, if if we're going to the opposite end of the spectrum where it's my life or the other person's life, obviously it's contextual because like, and if if it's the two of us against something else, I, I there's more of a chance of me like giving my life to save the other person. But if I'm fighting somebody else to save my life, like I am yeah. probably like going that's going to take over that like but i i just don't see a scenario where like i don't know it's a very like similar to the burn or alcohol yeah. in your butthole like i don't know what that's like <laughs> so like i don't know what to expect 
And I think it depends who the person is. If I didn't really know the person, it's like the trolley problem, you know? Right. Mm, like, exactly. This is just another version of the trolley problem. Like if I know the people, mm. would I be more willing to sacrifice them versus not knowing the people? You know what I mean? Like, like, so mm-hmm. the answer I'm giving you is it, it depends, but I also don't know what I'm capable of. And, and that is not something I've ever had to explore. I am thankful I've never had to explore that right, like aspect right. of things. I hope I never have to. Um, yeah. Um, but I also think that, uh, um, yeah, it also depends on what my baggage was, the grief that he holds and the fact that he did something like this already, even mm-hmm. though it's inferred or said that he let the person die and didn't necessarily actually kill the person. Whereas this one, he like actually kills the person, which like ups his guilt, I'm assuming. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my, my thoughts on that. Yeah. So if you could, so your answer, if you could pick the person, yes, you would want someone with you to survive this kind of stranded nature. If it was someone else, uh, you would pick yourself over someone random. For sure. To survive. Yes. I mean, especially if they're trying to make you into a, a dog <laughs> and want to bury you, then yes. absolutely it's uh, me versus them. Uh, yeah. I mean, we'll, I, sorry, go for it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'd go back and forth because in this whole, of course, context is everything, but it seems as though having someone with you could help you in a sense formulate plans to escape and you have someone, you know, a person there with you. It's not like it's, uh, what's the movie? Oh my gosh. I can't even think of his name. Tom Hanks with the volleyball. Oh, Castaway. Yes. <laughs> castaways. <laughs> yes. We are castaways. <laughs> uh, yes. And kind of, you know, having your own madness, but there's a sense of you just, going insane on your own and you're not affecting anyone and you can kind of just do whatever, do whatever. So could it be helpful to just be by yourself? Maybe because you can just, you know, figure it out yourself and you're not doing any harm to anyone, but well, that, that's you're another, not responsible for anyone but yourself. Totally. That's a good strategy. Like if you think that there's a possible outcome of just like going nuts and you don't want to murder somebody else, like right. maybe the strategy is just like do it by yourself, but know the risk that you might not physically be able to do anything. If you get hurt, yeah. you're fucked. Like there's, right. there's a lot of risk in that as well. Um, uh, but I guess that's also like the trolley problem of saying I'll just sacrifice myself and just be by myself sure. knowing that I'll just be the one that dies if, you know, a person dies as opposed to me killing someone, you know, because then that could also – whether or not you're defending yourself, I'm sure that there's some guilt that might be attached to killing somebody else. Sure. But I guess the trolley know. problem isn't about like defending yourself. It's really about like volume yeah. of people versus your connection to those people. Um yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know. Jamie, would you, oh, would, yeah. you would you murder me in a lighthouse? <laughs> I mean, if you're farting up a storm, maybe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> also, just for clarity for people who might not know, Jamie, do you know who developed the, the Charlie problem? Because I'm going to be honest with you. The only reason I really know about the Charlie problem is through the Good Place TV show. I was just about to say yeah. the Good Place. No, but I don't know who, um, okay. who developed the Charlie problem. Um uh, because I feel like that's more ethics than like yeah. mental health specific. Yeah. That's um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I did know about it before uh 
the good place, but I don't remember where I learned it. That feels like a college thing, like a a college psych class. Oh, absolutely. Fantabulous. Brian, do you have any other questions or comments about this? Um, This No, I'm looking forward to watching it again. I think this conversation was really interesting. I'm not going to watch this is listen. I'm I'm not going to say like, I'm going to go watch it now. Like I may take months to watch it, but like, I'm happy I saw it. It gets me very excited for The Northman. I'm assuming I'm going to have to see The Northman multiple times because that's what I feel like his other two movies are. Um, I, I definitely like this movie. Um, I liked this movie. I don't know how I feel about this movie until I watch it a second time. So I'll just kind of keep it at that. Okay. Do you know, Brian, by chance, uh, Robert Eggers, these are will be his only three films that he has directed? At least, like, feature length, yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you know if he's uh, written on any other movies, by chance, off the top? And I'm, um, the spot. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I was just curious if there was any other thing he had his hand in that I might have seen. Um, he, he's done, like, short films. Okay. Um, but realistically, those are kind of his... Those are his... Um, the rumor is that he's also going to make do a remake of um, Nosferatu coming up. Oh, wow. Hmm. So okay. that's kind of, but uh, yeah. Fantastical. Great. Well, well, should we do some Rotten he was Tomatoes? Actually, he was also a production designer for a bit. Um, oh. But on short films and documentaries and stuff like that. Anyway. Fantabulous. Yeah, let's do some Rotten Tomatoes. All right. Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to say 70. Jamie? I like the highbrowness of it. Yeah, I'm going to say 78. This has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Wowie. Okay, highbrow. A gripping story, brilliantly filmed and led by a pair of powerhouse performances, The Lighthouse further establishes Robert Eggers as a filmmaker of exceptional talent. Mm. Okay. That was the critics' consensus, yeah. Direction is great. I just didn't understand the actual story, but as far as the cinematography and everything that I'll say he was doing, it's wonderful. Yeah. Great. Well, let's well, move on to the four S's. Four S's. Skulls, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Um, we're going to go through these now. Uh, let's start with you, Jamie. Skulls, how did this movie handle mental health and human behavior? One through ten. Uh, I'm gonna give it um I'm gonna give it a five. Uh because I <laughs> I mean if it's gaslighting, I think it did really well. If it's mental illness, I think <laughs> it did really well. I just don't actually know what it is. So a five from me. All right. Nikisha. Yeah, I was going to say a four because it brings up a lot of good questions, but some of it just kind of gets debunked with 
what is real and what is not. So I'll give sure. it a four. All right. I'm going to give it a five because uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> scares. Uh, how scary was it? One through ten. Jamie. Um, I'm going to give it like a, a 1.5. I, I, I wasn't scared. Sure. This didn't spook me. It, it, it didn't even really fill me with that much dread. That's usually what like will bump a score up for me. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Nikisha. Yeah. I'm going to give it a one. The only kind of jump scary thing that happened was when Willem Dafoe came out with that ax, uh, behind Robert Pattinson towards the end. Because you think he's dead and he's not. Other mm. than that, mm -mm. I'm going to give it a two because he got poop in his face. That's scary. Ooh, <laughs> that's nasty. Also, that, that, that could chunk when he hits the ground. Oh, also, mm. also, here's another thing Older Thomas has a peg leg. Mm -hmm. And he, we realize that he's lying about his like Navy career or his military career or sea career, whatever it is. And then we see basically like the Robert Pattinson character, like break his leg when he falls and a seagull that is like picking at his, like, even though he doesn't break it, like something happened to his leg. Like, I think that that's directly connected. The fact that like, he's mm -hmm. lying about okay. what actually happened to his leg and like the guy, like he falls and hurts his leg. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's something there too. I don't know what, um, <laughs> cool, but I'm giving it a two, um, shakes. How much are you going to shake this movie off? Mm. I'll go I'm gonna give it a, okay. Oh, sorry. I'm going to give it a five just because I'm still not sure. That's fair. I'm going to give it a three. Cause I will remember that seagull scene. That was intense. Hmm. <laughs> Mm, I think I'm also going to give it a five because I still have no idea. <laughs> Fair. Uh, suggestions. Jamie, would you like to suggest something? <laughs> sure. It's not, it's not great. Um, I'll preface it with this. I mean, <laughs> the suggestion itself is great. The connection is mediocre. Um, I'm suggesting Jaws. For its oh, yeah. similarly nautical themes. Great. For sure. For sure. Love it. <laughs> Nikisha. Uh, I'm going to suggest the movie Crawl. I think it's on mm. Netflix. Love that Because movie. of the nautical themes and flooding and water. <laughs> and uh, it's a survival story. I also, mm -hmm. if we're just going on the survival story kick, which I think it might be a really good movie for us to do on the podcast, is Circle. Um, also on Netflix and I'll just leave it at that survival of the fittest. Basically cool. everyone's in one mm -hmm. room and you got only one person can get out the room. So circle. Um, I'm going to suggest two. The first one is stupid. Uh, watch the lighthouse again. <laughs> I'm going to suggest rewatching it. <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. That's uh, yeah. a great idea. <laughs> the second one is uh, we covered it on the podcast, the lodge. Um, oh, yeah. I think that well, first off it's the L so, like, these two have a title sort of in common. Uh, and then it's also just kind of about being in a remote place, being gaslit, um, your past mm. sins and guilt kind of coming up and uh, bubbling up inside of you. Um, you know, so, um, I, and I, 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 and so I'm going to go with The Lodge. Fantabulous. 
Well, I think that ends our episode of The Lighthouse. You can follow us on the social media, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at TalkHorrorPod, P-O-D. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can listen to us wherever you are listening to podcasts. Things like Stitcher. Things like Spotify. Things like Apple Podcasts. And you know what you can do there? You can rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you you. very much. I think we should sign off with the foghorn, but you guys doing it, not the actual Sure. No, what about the quote about the farts? Oh, you got it? Pull it up. Let's do it. (laughs) That's the only quote. The lighthouse farts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, someone, there's, (laughs) there's the top thing that came up was the lighthouse fart compilation. Oh, that needs to, we need to watch that. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sick of your laugh, your snoring, and your goddamn farts. Your damn goddamn farts. Goddamn your farts. Fantastic. I'm going to play the foghorn sound under her saying that. Yes. Thank you. That sounds great. Thank you, guys. Thank you. (laughs)